0: Today, summer soundbite is Matthew 11, verse 30. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Now, we're going to break this down into two sections. We have the breakdown, and we have the shakedown. The breakdown is where we're going to present the context, and we're going to give you what the truth is that God wants us to know. Then we're going to talk about the shakedown, because unfortunately, The shakedown is where the enemy attempts to lie to us and keep us bound to something that's been misinterpreted or manipulated. And so the breakdown is God's truth, and the shakedown is where we actually address and deal with reconciling Satan's lie. Are you with me today? Let's get started in the breakdown. Number one, who is speaking? We have to give context. Jesus is speaking. In Matthew chapter 11, this is Jesus speaking. Who is he speaking to? At this point in Jesus' life, he's got some people that are following him. He's done some things. But John the Baptist is in prison, and John is Jesus' cousin, and he's been revealing Jesus as the Messiah. He's like, he's the guy, he's the guy. And they're like, no, John, you're the man, you're the man. And John's like, no, Jesus is the man, Jesus is the man. And John finds himself in prison. And in verse 3 of chapter 11, they're going to John. His followers are going to John and saying, hey, we need to know if this is the real Messiah guy. And he says, fine, go ask him. Just ask Jesus. Just be straight up with him. Just go right to the source. Jesus, are you the Messiah? Or do we need to go find another dude? Are you the dude? Or do we need to go find the real dude? Okay, I'm contextualizing it to me growing up five blocks from the beach in Oceanside. This is how I would have said it. Okay? I'm a bit feral like John the Baptist, so I can relate to you know, him sitting in prison and eating locusts and people looking at him weird. So Jesus is speaking to the followers of John the Baptist, the disciples, if you will. I'm going to use this word. okay? The disciples, a person who's being taught and trained and equipped by John the Baptist. And Jesus is all speaking to the followers that he has. And he's, the whole point of this whole passage in Matthew 11 is Jesus is revealing himself as the Messiah. What is the Messiah? Anointed Savior. He's the one who was anointed to save humanity from the burden of sin. That is the point of Matthew chapter 11. He uses this analogy of a yoke. Now, this yoke isn't to be uh, mistakenly uh, spelled Y-O-L-K, which is an egg yoke. Not that I Googled that and got the wrong image. This is Y-O-K-E. This is an agricultural term. The people that Jesus was talking to at the time would have really understood this well because it was an agricultural society. So they would have understood the term yoke, okay? But it also meant in the Old Testament, in the, in the first part of the Bible... The word yoke also meant divine judgment or the natural consequences of sin. So this is what Jesus is talking about. Really, he's talking about humanity being relieved from carrying the burdensome yoke of saving itself because of sin. Can I tell you something? How many times have you been in a situation and you try to save yourself from that situation, it just makes the situation worse. I wish I could say never. I wish I could tell you once. But this is like my MO. Right? Run hard and fast, get myself into trouble. I'm like, I got myself into this. I can get myself out. People around me are like, that's called stupidity. Right? Haven't we all at some point in our life been this? Like it doesn't matter where you sit in your relationship to God. We've all at times gotten ourselves in a little bit of trouble and tried to be our own personal savior. Now, humanity was never meant to bear the burden, the singular burden of carrying the weight of saving itself. Our original design was to be in community and relationship and on mission with God where we walked with him and that was broken because of sin. And so we were never meant to carry that. We were never meant to carry that burden and that yoke. So what Jesus is actually doing here is he's saying, hey, you you weren't meant to carry this, so I'm gonna remove that yoke by coming as Messiah. And it's the picture of a singular yoke. There's an upset child out there. Thank you for those of you who are going to tend to that child. I'm a dad of seven. So man, when I hear that, I'm just like, my ear goes, <laughs> all right, back to the normal broadcast. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, then Jesus said, come to me all who are weary. That word weary means labor to the point of exhaustion or grief. Come to me, all who are, who are exhausted to the point of grief. You've like gotten to the end of yourself. You're tired. All who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And what's, what's this word burden? It, it doesn't mean physical burden. This actually means the spiritual burden. It, uh, more, more distinctly, it means spiritual anxiety. He's saying... You were never meant to carry this, and so I've come as Messiah, as the anointed one. And I'm saying, if you're tired and you're exhausted and you're feeling grief, I want you to come to me and I'll relieve the burden of the spiritual anxiety that you're feeling. And I just have to tell you right now that statistics, current statistics right now are telling us, and I referenced this a couple of weeks ago, there was a poll done by Barna that said this. It said that out of all the people in 2020 that experienced what was going on, every single category that they explored ended up developing a worse state of mental health. If you remember this, the only group that did not experience a loss in their sense of mental health, anxiety and depression, thoughts of suicide, disconnectedness, loneliness, in fact, the only group that saw an increase were those who attended church. And not just attended church, but attended a religious service one time a month at least. I mean, one time a week at least. Go, you can go back and listen to the first message in this series on YouTube. I talk in w- much more depth about it. This is important because I believe that what we see manifest in society. I'm going to call the fruit on the tree of society. We can run around and we can address the fruit on the tree of society. But truthfully, to deal with the fruit, you have to address the root. And the root of our anxieties and our feeling of weariness and exhaustion and we just feel stuck and we feel confused and we feel helpless right now is because we are so spiritually disconnected from Jesus as our Messiah That my solution, I mean, you have to know that if you tuned in on our online campus or you're sitting here for the first time, you have to know, like, I'm going to present Jesus as the solution. If you didn't know by now, this is church. And I'm going to present Jesus to you. He says, bring this weariness and this burden and I'm going to give you rest. So what's Jesus doing? He's transforming the exhausting, grief-filled, anxious yoke of salvation that we were never meant to carry. And he turns that yoke into a gracious yoke of being ruled, taught, and saved by Jesus This is important. What is he saying? Remember, Jesus is speaking to disciples. I'm going to use this word. He's speaking to disciples. So what's he saying? He's revealing himself as Messiah to the disciples to say this. I'm here for you to carry the yoke of being discipled by me. Taught, trained, saved, and ruled by me. You're not ruled by sin. And by the way, I am humble and gentle of heart, which is the total opposite of society. Society at the time was heavy-handed and laying the burden of saving yourself on the individual. Highly religious, zero relational. That's contextually what was happening at the time. What's the point? This is a question I ask often. Okay, what's the point, dude? This is the point. Jesus' mission transforms your life. You know, we all need from the entirety to even pieces of our life transformed on a daily basis. If you run into a problem, you're running into a, the possibility of transformation. We all experience it. We all need transformation. And so what's the point that Jesus' mission To come as Messiah transforms your life by saving you, but it also makes your mission to see others' lives transformed across the globe. Now, what's the shakedown? Because there's a lie being told. Jesus' mission was to save us and call us on His mission. But this is most often the shakedown that I hear. You know, Pastor. In Matthew eleven thirty, it says that following Jesus is easy and it's light. So when I pray and I'm like, God, would you show me the way? Should I take this job? Should I get His number? Should I, should I sell my house? Should I buy this house? Should I refinance? Should I buy this car? Should I lease this car? Should I just save my money? No matter what question you ask, oftentimes this scripture is used to be misinterpreted to say this. Whatever the path of least resistance is, is where God is moving. Did Jesus... Dying on the cross look like the path of least resistance. Let me say this a few other ways. Currently, I will tell you this. Uh, the mission in life is to find the highest amount of pleasure possible. Possible in an individual's life. Whatever's the most pleasurable, man. (laughs) You can apply that across so much of the spectrum of life. I will not dive into details. So currently the mission of life is to find the highest amount of pleasure by prioritizing, I'm going to make this personal, my personal preferences. Okay, so what am I doing? I'm making my mission greater than the mission of Jesus. This is how it comes out. Everything exists to make my life easy and to bring me pleasure, including Jesus coming in human form to die for me. Jesus actually died for my mission. Jesus died for me to experience a good, easy, pleasure-filled life completely uninhibited by anyone or anything for me to live my life the way that I want to live it. You know, as followers of Jesus, we're like, yeah, that's the problem with the world. I'm not actually speaking to someone who's not a follower of Jesus. This is the belief that I hear mostly from people who consider themselves followers of Jesus. I I If you've been around me for any period of time, if this is your first time, like I just like I'm a cha- i am like being challenged, so just I know you're sitting in it a little bit right now. Okay, you're like, wow, I came to church to make me feel better. (laughs) Because that's what we expect from church. Please me. You know, what's the church? What's the church's role in helping me achieve my mission? And I don't like that. I'm gonna go down the street to the church that's there to serve me. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) Let's just sit for a second. Can you guys throw that picture of, of the yoked oxen up? I'm going to go back to this idea of being yoked. This is a picture. Isn't it pretty? Uh huh. It's the best one Google could find for me. Um, this is a picture of what Jesus was actually talking about. Do you notice how you have these two ox, and they would have understood this culturally because they were an agricultural site, and they would use ox to plow fields and to help plant and do the hard work. And what you see is you see these, these harnesses around the neck of these ox, and um, they then have a beam that goes across the center, and that's actually considered the yoke, that beam. And that, that beam is made of a wood that's both sturdy and hard, but it's also light. It's not heavy. So when, like, you go into the gym and you see the the dude in the gym who does lots of this exercise, right? It's to get, you know, you get these big traps. And this guy is just like, dude, trap, boom, shoulder, boom, bye, try. And then you get down to their legs and it's like, chicken legs, okay? (laughs) Guys, I'm calling you out right now. Get on the squat rack, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Girls are doing their legs. (laughs) Guys are in the mirror. What do we say? That dude's yoked. Why do we say that? Because ox got these big muscles up here, right? So it suits them well to have this ring around their neck, but there's this beam. And so the word yoke actually means beam of balance. Why? Jesus is presenting to you and I that he dies so that you don't have to take on the singular work of wearing the yoke by yourself and pulling the heavy weight of your salvation. But now that you've been saved, you're yoked to him side by side like these two friendly ox are. But what ends up happening is, is that if one of those ox pushes ahead before the other ox, let me say it this way. If one of the ox is like, I got my own mission. And I'm moving on my mission. It ends up bearing most of the weight and the burden of the load. And ends up choking The ox that's held behind. Conversely, if one of the ox is like, you know, today I just don't feel like showing up to do my ox work, (laughs) then by lagging behind, that ox ends up putting pressure on itself and loading the other ox with all of the burden. Why does this matter? Because it requires relationship where both parties stay in community with one another. Here's my point. Jesus' mission was to reveal himself as Messiah and to call us into his mission, on his mission. And when we get out ahead of Jesus on our own mission, we end up bearing the weight and the burden. And that can be exhausting. And then we say, following Jesus is exhausting. No, it's exhausting because you're not walking in step in community and relationship with Jesus. Are, are you with me this morning? Consum- like I'm gonna get like I'm Pentecostal. Like there's some, I got some Pentecostal blood. It's okay if we talk to one another. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm gonna I want some st- I to come down with you guys and just sit down and have a conversation. I want you to shout me down. Like if you understand what I'm saying and it resonates, just go ahead and say Amen. Now we're living. Guys, sip the Kool Aid, man. It's good on this side. Okay. But then sometimes we like, oh, hey, I believe in Jesus. I raised my hand in a church, which, by the way, who even came up with that? Jesus didn't tell his disciples at the shoreline when he called the first disciples. He didn't say, everyone who wants to receive me, just raise your hand in your boat. What did he say? Leave everything in your mission of fishing and come follow me on my mission of fishing for men. So when we're like, oh, I'm gonna just run out ahead of Jesus and I'm just gonna go after that job and I'm gonna marry him or her no matter what. And then we are, I'm gonna buy that car and then God, you need to give me, provi- you're, you're provider God, you're Jehovah Jireh. You start calling him by all those Hebrew names. You're like, I want some power in the house. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. You need to bring me enough money to pay for that car that's $1,000 a month. Jesus, you need to get on my mission, man. Right? And then we're like, we don't have money to tithe. Which is part of his mission. So we press ahead or we lag back and we say, you know, I raised my hand. And now I get to sit back and Jesus just, he's like a dream. He does everything for me. And I can just sit down now. It is not time to sit down. And you know what? If you leave an ox for greater than six months who's been trained with a yoke without being yoked and in community with his buddy and doing the job of being on mission, that ox, you will have ruined that ox and it will lose the habit of being in community and partnership on mission to do the work that it exists to do. How many of us sit down and choke out our faith and we choke ourselves out and we make 101 excuses why we shouldn't and we can't and why the church is and why I, it's a prioritization of personal preferences. You can do anything, I can do anything I wanna do. I want to do. Jesus gives us this picture just before verse 30. He says, my father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the son except the father. What, what's he saying? The son and the father are in community and relationship. No one really knows the son except the father. Oh, but then he turns around and goes, no one truly knows the father except the son. It's reciprocal that as, as the son serves the father, the father is serving the son. What I'm saying to you is as you serve the mission of Jesus, the mission of Jesus actually becomes the best way to serve you. So if I'm like, ah, I want to be served, I want to be served, this is the actual real response, serve. I'm lonely. Go be a friend for somebody. No, okay, guys, And these are practical applications I use in my own life. I'm talking addicted to alcohol, about to get divorced, horrible father, pressed in my own strength to be a business owner and make a ton of money to achieve everything, to save myself, complete train wreck. This is me, pre-Jesus. And there was a dude who sat with me, I was in community with, and he said this to me, you're depressed, you deal with crazy levels of anxiety, you're chasing money. Here's, Here's what God says. If you actually do the exact opposite of those things... You'll actually remedy these things. So I started giving my money away. I started being friends to those who didn't have friends. I suddenly became less depressed, less anxious. God began to open pathways financially. When we started this church, my wife quit working for a corporation. We had two daughters at the time of our seven and I was like, yeah, you're good, man. I, I got my own businesses. I was working in the action sports industry. I grew up surfing and I was, it was lucrative. It's great. This is awesome. Four months after we start this church, I made $180 that month. What if at that moment I would have said, you know what? <clears throat> I was wrong about starting a church because this is supposed to be easy. And light. I'm <laughs> oh like, God, I don't know what to do. So we got rid of all of our cars. This is true. $1,200 a month in car payments. Got rid of my cars. By the way, I needed a car to do my job. I was like, God, I don't know what to do. Guys, I had five cars given to me in the next three months. Five. Five. I got rid of two, and God gave me five. I sold three so that I could feed my family, and I drove two, hooped out ghetto rides that were the sweetest cars I've ever owned. I was rolling the streets of Oside, like, yep, I'm back. I just need some Daytons in four-wheel motion and put, it, put an Impala emblem on this and I <laughs> lie to me. All right. If you're from Oceanside, you get it. I'm going to end with this story. A couple weeks ago, we had the opportunity to hear from some missionaries that we partner with. One of those missionaries is a young man. His name is Amar. He's from a place called Nepal. Now, Nepal is the place that if you wanted to go climb Mount Everest, because that's a fun thing to do, you would hire a guy like Amar from his village to be what they call a Sherpa or a guide. And these guys literally carry up to 120 pounds of your stuff. your are yoked to them. You follow As you ascend this mountain. What happens when one of these expert guides gets in trouble? They call a guy like Amar. Who's the expert rescue guy for the experts. I'm not kidding. There's 10 of him that exist in the world. Every natural disaster you see in India, Nepal, any other region, he's one of 10 guys that they call and within hours he's on a helicopter and he's flying in to solve a problem with a real solution. Saving people, rescuing people. Dragging people's bodies who are deceased and have been killed out of rubble, protecting them and delivering them personally to their families to honor them. I had a chance to sit with Amar at breakfast a couple weeks ago and Julie thought that I should have some deep conversation with him and I figured out why. This guy is like my people. He goes, you know, the moment that God sent Jesus and Jesus died for us, he gave us the opportunity to be volunteers for him. And I was like, oh. He goes, so I get up every morning and I ask God, God, will you give me a problem? And I was like, "Wait, wait, wait, time out. We're all like, God, could you take our problems? And then I got this 28-year-old kid who grew up in the craziest of circumstances as a child soldier. 17,000 people in his village, wiped out and killed. This is what he saw as a child. He's praying every morning, give me a problem. I was like, oh, I feel inferior. I'm a competitive person. So I start like, I need a problem. God's like, the problem is you don't have a problem. And then Amar says to me, and then I ask God, God, then give me the strength to be a solution for that problem. So this is what he did. He wakes up one morning, he goes, God, give me a problem so that I can do something for my people. And I cannot get into the details of what he actually did for safety reasons. You needed to be at the night that we spoke about missions that we did not broadcast because people's lives are literally on the line, these stories being told. But I will tell you, he has done stuff that challenged me to my core, to, to ask myself this question, what hard things am I doing right now to be on mission with Jesus? Do I, do I feel like we're being persecuted in a like, bro, like... <laughs> Go talk to Amar. On every level. Real needs, real solutions. Here's what I love. He essentially said to me, the moment that I gave Jesus my heart, it also required me to give him my hands. I want to tell you something. I want you to know this. The biggest thing that the enemy wants to do, he wants to fight the hardest is he'll let you raise your hand and have that boat moment like Matthew and the other disciples and say, God, I'm going to give my heart to you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. He's going to, the enemy is like, yeah, that's fine because I'm going to totally kick your butt to the curb and I'm going to strap your hands down. I think this is the picture of, of, now this is, (laughs) I have to be careful. I feel like this is a word for the church in America. You've given Jesus your heart, but you're withholding your hands. Jesus is saying, I want to live in your heart, but I want to live through your hands. I'm the Messiah who's on mission to save you, to bring you back to what you were originally designed for, to transform your life but to also pull you into the mission that I died for so that you can see other people. And are we walking in step with Jesus? Are we like, when Jesus, when when you move in Nepal, are we moving with you? When you move in Oaxaca with Desi, are we moving with you? When you move, when you take a step down the street of San Marcos Elementary, are we stepping with you? you? When you take a step to feed the people that need to be fed, that we feed on a monthly basis here, are we stepping with you? Are we stepping with you in our young adult ministry? Are we stepping with you in our student ministry? Are we stepping with you in our men's ministry, our women's ministry, our student ministry, our kids' ministry? Are we stepping with you as we pray for the sick? Are we, are we stepping with you as we praise in the house as we gather, even when we don't feel like there's anything to praise? Are we in step with you Why not you stand? I'm going to end with this. Just bear with me for just a few minutes. Just before this, in Matthew 9. Jesus traveled through the old towns and villages in the area teaching in synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom and he healed every kind of disease and illness when he saw the crowds he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd can I tell you right now when I pick my eyes up when I say God give me eyes to see what you see this is what he sees he sees all of us at times not exclusively running around confused and feeling helpless which leads to depression anxiety the need for opioid addiction which is going up in America, which is shortening the life expectancy of Americans three years in a row, by the way, first world country, first world problems. We're losing our lives to this. He says to his disciples that Jesus is saying to us today as his disciples, he's saying to you, if you don't know Jesus today, he's saying to you as a future follower of him, I can set all things straight. I can transform your life, but I'm gonna call you into a mission. And this is what he says. He reminds the people around him at that time, and he's reminding us today. This is what he says. The harvest is great. There are tons and tons of people that need Jesus. There's tons of confusion. There's tons of sickness. There's tons of countries that need to be reached. There's tons of kids in our immediate community that need a touch of transformational Jesus in their life. There are tons and tons of opportunities in cities that we have yet to go to the harvest is massive. But you know what he says? The workers are what? Few. My goal is that we would be the strong, the courageous few. That God would do something miraculous through our church. Real needs, real solutions. We would walk as disciples We'd walk as followers and say, God, you're not here to to fulfill my mission. We're here actually to partner with your, your mission and that we're yoked in this way that we're walking with you. I no longer have to bear this, but when you step, I step. So where are you stepping today, Jesus? I wanna step with you. Real quickly, the breakdown. This is a recap this whole passage revealed Jesus the Messiah with a mission the shakedown the lie that Jesus exists to serve your mission and my mission by making it easy what truth have we discovered in this that Jesus mission is to save us and our mission is to partner with him in reaching the world to see it saved how is this practical for you and for me today You have an opportunity, and I have an opportunity, like Amar said, to volunteer, to say, give me a problem today. We have an opportunity to engage with Jesus. You have an opportunity to engage with Jesus as your Messiah, and join Jesus' church in his mission. Do you know, we exist, and we have like these opportunities to step in and get baptized and to serve, and get all these things. These are all opportunities for you to do what? Be on mission. When you hear us say, we're on mission as much as ever, this is what we're talking about. It's not to serve us. We're actually serving you by giving you opportunities to step into possibilities of discipleship. In fact, I will tell you the best way for you to be served in a community is to first serve the community. And what's the result? You're gonna feel fulfilled like never before. You're gonna feel served like never before as you serve and you fulfill the mission that Jesus called us to. Now, let's close our eyes. 30 seconds, you can do anything for 30 seconds unless it's planks. And then you can do it for a minute. Here's what I wanna do. We're gonna evaluate and we're gonna activate. Gotta make it practical. Ask God to reveal where you're serving his mission currently and where you're serving your mission and asking him to serve your mission currently now there's going to be a whole spectrum of that some of you may not even know Jesus some of you may be engaging with Jesus on some levels some of you high levels here's what I'm asking you this is what we're going to do to activate you can do you can do anything what you can do anything one time I believe this so here's the activation I'm going I'm to challenge us to live a transformed life and to get on mission in a deeper degree. One more step, wherever you're at, to take a step by connecting deeper in community with Jesus, by committing to one act of service here at the Movement Church. I'm going I'm to bring this really close to home. Okay? If you haven't been baptized, get baptized. If you're not connected in community, get connected in community. You can stop at our Connect booth. Get into a men's group. Get into a women's group. If you're a student, we can take care of you. If you don't participate in giving here at the church, start to do that. Start with 1%. Wherever you're at, one more step. This is the challenge. I believe that what will happen is we will become one of the most transformational families that our cities have ever seen. We will be transformed and we will become transformational. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you release the spirit of transformation in this place. You release the spirit of generosity in this place. You release a heart to serve in this place. That what you would do is release us from the bondage of thinking that we need to work toward our salvation, but that we're actually getting on mission with you. That you would strip away what the enemy wants to lie to us about and say that this is oppressive, and, and let us see it as an opportunity that we would serve the community before the community even serves us. Just like we saw you do, that we would walk and step in community with you as you did with God the Father. God, give us the courage to do that. Give us the ability just in practical ways to serve and meet real needs with real solutions as we do it. Because like our friend Amar said, when you Sent your son, Jesus, to die. You gave us an opportunity to volunteer. And so God, give us a problem. And give us the strength to be the solution. We want to do something for our people. In Jesus' powerful name, everyone said amen and amen.